1: What's up, everybody? We're back. Episode six of Corona Mania. House arrest. Lockdown. Whatever. Uh, I'm Dan. On the line again is uh, Josh. How you doing, buddy?
0: All right. These episodes sound like they're the names of like the old school WWF pay-per-views back in the day.
1: Right. Like Corona Mania six.
0: (laughs) House arrest
1: bag of nickels on a pole match boss man versus earthquake
0: <laughs> bag of nickels yeah the sock is loaded with change yep. oh my god he hit him with it. Yeah.
1: nobody knew the change it was actually those chocolate covered coins <laughs> right so that looks metallic That's exactly right. oh man well here we are again no sports still um nope. we, we we got a big week this week though which is good um you know, we'll, we'll, we'll dig into each one, but we, we had the Jordan doc started last night. Uh, we got the NFL draft coming up Thursday, uh, and then the Jordan doc will continue again, uh, next Sunday. So, um, some good stuff to talk about. Um, uh, we're going to dive into the draft a little heavy here, uh, as much as heavy as, as, as heavy as I can get. Cause I'm, I am certainly not a draft expert. Um, and, and you know much more about that than I do. So we'll, we'll have some fun with that, but what, uh, so what what have you been up to the last week? Uh, the weather's starting to get a little bit nicer. We're seeing a little bit more sunlight. Um, are you are you moving around a little bit more at least?
0: Yeah, I'm a little bit disappointed because the wind has been absolutely oh. crazy. We went to a uh, Lake Geneva on Saturday, which is a bad idea because we pulled up right along where the beach is near the library, and the wind was coming off that direction all the way across the lake. And I mean, it was. I mean, like blowing things over, and then we walked a little bit of the trail and looking at some of the houses on Lake Geneva and then going on uh, the Zillow app to see how much a lot of these places cost was just absolutely insane. But that, you know, we're trying to get out and, and do things, you know, run an errand here or there, not get too crazy. I did for the first time follow the CDC's orders and wore a mask. Uh, when I went to Woodman's, I was wearing all blue, so I I, I looked like I was a member of the crypts or something because the bandana was blue along with my blue hooded sweatshirt, and it was it was very odd. Um, but I I'm hoping that we're on the slow track to getting back to normal. Yeah,
1: it'd be nice. It'd be nice. Yeah, the it's the worst part about the spring to me is the wind, and as a guy that has just constantly got bad allergies that is just the worst possible thing to have this time of year but that's just the way it is man spring in wisconsin it's going to be windy
0: what are you feeling about the golf courses is opening up i know you're a you're a big golf guy are you fine walking are you going to be trying to get in competition with everybody else to get a tee time sometime soon just to do something normal or like how are you proceeding with your Social and activities and hobbies and stuff.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, I I talked to my my regular golfing buddies. We talked a little bit over the weekend and, and this morning. Um, I think uh, a couple guys are going to try to get out this weekend. I am not. Uh, I just I looked ahead at the weather forecast and the weather's supposed to be kind of crappy, low fifties and, and you know about fifty fifty on the rain. So I'm going to take this weekend and and push it back another week, maybe when. Uh, it's a little less crowded. I don't. I didn't even look. I don't even know if we can get a tee time at this point. They might all be gone already. But, um, I yeah, I'm perfectly fine with walking. Uh, one of my buddies went out and bought one of those remote control carts today, so he's he's gearing up for it. Um, I'm kind of actually looking forward to it in a way because, um, usually when you walk, it seems like I play a little bit better. You know, I, I get more into into the game where, like, when you're just hopping in and out of carts and you're, you know, you got somebody sitting next to you the whole time and you're just shooting the breeze and, it, you know, it's just, I just feel like you're not maybe as focused as you might be if you're kind of by yourself thinking about your shot as you're walking up to it. So I'm looking forward to uh, getting out here in the next week or two and slapping it around a little bit and not not writing my score down. <laughs>
0: Yeah, in the in the meantime, I'm taking full advantage of watching terrible things um, online streaming and like there's this, and I don't know how heavy into Netflix you are. There's this new show called Too Hot to Handle. Mm-hmm. Have you heard about this?
1: I think I've heard of it, but I haven't watched it.
0: It's absolutely terrible. I mean, I still watch The Challenge on MTV. I'm I'm a sucker for these types of shows, and basically. They've got a bunch of guys and girls all in their low to mid 20s who all they want to do and all they have done is have one night stands and very short term relationships don't want to commit and are all just full of hormones and hornballed up. And they put them at this resort wearing next to nothing and they say, we're going to give you a ton of money if you can keep your hands off of each other. And for everything that you do to the other person, anybody at the resort, you're the jackpot goes down.
1: Hmm. Okay. It's,
0: it's absolutely atrocious
1: programming, and I can't take my eyes off the screen. Ugh. Yeah, I can't. I can't do that stuff. <laughs> I can't. I, I've never been able to. I watched the first season of Survivor, and I think I might have watched like the first season of Big Brother, and I've never watched another one of those shows again. I mean. Those were fine for what they were because they were new, but, like, I, I, I just, well, and, and, you know, talk about the 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 people that they cast in it. It's like, well, you wonder why the coronavirus spreads in this country so goddamn fast. It's because everybody in this country's all hornballed and sexed up and, you know, just partner swapping and hooking up. It's just crazy, man. Like, yep. it's, it's. That's what. That's it's, it's not even is. it's not even close to what we were like 20 years ago I mean we I mean everybody did their thing in college but like now it just seems like it's on another level
0: yeah and that and that's what this. it's at one end of the spectrum and you really look at these people and how fake they are and how worried about things that don't matter and how clueless they are about what happens out in the real world and you know it's I, I mean I'm sure part of it is you know, harkening back to the day when we were growing up, and the older generation looks at the, the batch of kids and goes, "Well, this world's going to shit." You know that kind of, and I'm sure every generation, as they grow older, sees the younger crop and just shakes their head and goes, "What is going on?"
1: Right, right. No, well, that's probably true. So, uh, yeah. Yep.
0: So this <laughs> that's what I've been. In. Yeah.
1: So that's what you've been up to, huh? Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. This uh, this weekend on Saturday, I, I had gone over to my parents to. Yeah, uh, I don't even remember why I went over there. I think I was just bored. I just wanted some human contact, so I went over there for a little bit in the afternoon. And I came home, and uh, I I just turned the TV on, and a uh, ESPN was on, and I saw that that night they were going to run the Ali Frazier trilogy, all three matches um, from the early seventies. And uh, that afternoon they had been playing some some other match, some other boxing matches. Uh, they had a De La Hoya fight on. And then uh, I sat down and watched, uh, I think it was like 1985, it was like a middleweight title bout between uh, Marvin Hagler and uh, Thomas Hitman Hearns. I'm telling you, dude, it was a three-round bout. Hearns got knocked out in the third. Like, the first round was insane. These dudes were going out at it. Like, there was no Floyd Mayweather dancing around and just trying not to get hit. Like, these dudes are brawling. It was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. And, like, you know, a lot of those matches with those two guys and then Sugar Ray Leonard, like, in the 80s, you know, they're they're kind of iconic, but I mean, we were pretty little. I don't really remember them. Um, and then to, to be able to watch that was pretty cool. And then I watched a little bit of the Ali Frazier stuff that night, and I mean, man, it just... I mean, it's almost like being in a time machine watching that. It you know, it's like the announcers we were talking. The announcers were super funny. Like they all had those the long skinny microphone that looked like a giant pencil (laughs) that they're talking into. You know what I'm you know what I'm talking about? You know, and they're and everything's got a long ass cord on it. And there's like a million people in the ring, and these dudes are all wearing tuxedos. It was just I don't know, man. Like it, it was just funny to see how they put on really the biggest event in the world that year um it's just kind of funny to to see everything that went into it see
0: and that's what i remember from i mean i did not watch a whole lot of boxing but that's what i remember from the fights that i did watch Is like a lot of these guys actually hit each other mm. they went after each other it it wasn't dodging this and ducking that and making sure to try to wear the other guy out and you know i mean and and the, all those fights that you that you used to see just the last couple of years, they all go to the cards. Nobody gets knocked out. I mean, we saw guys getting absolutely hammered in the grill and on the side of the head. And I mean, you had legitimate knockdowns where nowadays it's like it seems like the person who gets hit the least, um, even if it's just you know somebody something skimming off somebody's head. I mean, that's what they consider to be you know, a decent blow struck nowadays. And it's like, that to me, that's not boxing anymore.
1: No, I'm with you. I'm with you. I mean, that first Ali-Fraser match, the one that Frazier wins, like, and, and remember, these are 15 round bouts, not 12. Right. Like, if Joe Frazier hit Ali like a thousand times. It was unbelievable. Like he just beat him to a pulp, and Ali just stood there and took it and took it and took it and took it. It was just, I don't know, man. It was unbelievable. It was fun to watch. So, I got a kick out of that on on Saturday. Um, All right. Well, let's move on to uh, some some more. I don't know. I guess it's a it's a Corona topic. I've only got one thing to touch on a little bit with the NBA. Um, I was listening to uh, Bill Simmons' podcast the other day, and he had a guy on named Casey Wasserman. He's like an agent, and he's involved with some TV stuff. He's involved with the Olympics. And they were just kind of talking about how are they going to be able to bring sports back and what's it going to look like. And uh, they got to talking about the NBA. And it sounds like right now what they're talking about is either putting everybody in either Vegas or L.A., and uh, L.A., because obviously a lot of NBA players live there anyway, and you've also got the Lakers and the Clippers there, so if you're doing playoff stuff, you've got two teams in one city already um, just anyway. But they're thinking one of those two cities, and they are not going to play in arenas. That's just not going to happen. Um, they were talking about just as a television product it would be bad. Um it just wouldn't work. So it's, it sounds like that's out what they're talking about doing, which is actually kind of cool, um, is kind of creating makeshift basketball courts. Um, and I, I'll be interested. I'm sure they're going to talk about it in the Jordan documentary as they go along. But, um, when Jordan filmed space jam in the summer of, uh, 95, um, he Warner Brothers built him a basketball court, like a with like a dome in it, and had like um, showers and um, locker rooms and all this stuff. It sounds like that's kind of the route they're thinking about doing, and maybe building these things. Like if it's in Vegas, in like some convention centers that are really big, you know they've ha- you know obviously you can have a boxing match at MGM. They have a boxing ring there. You could take that out and put a basketball court there easily. Um, so I just thought that was kind of a kind of interesting and it, it, it might be kind of a, a cool way to watch these games.
0: Well I the thing I did see about the NBA today when I was reading some stuff one is that they're gonna start withholding their paychecks in the middle of May mm-hmm. um, and that and Adam Silver didn't say they were in any position to make any decisions. obviously I this is news to me about what what you're talking about. I guess my only question is I mean it seems like a good plan to keep people away and not have any fans and just the bare minimum of um you know people who can operate and execute the game or the broadcast or anything like that. But um what would the timeline be on getting some of these places together and a schedule in order? Um I, I don't know about the infrastructure or anything like that. how you know gonna have to have pieces and equipment and material shipped there and all that stuff. So I would be curious to see when they could get that plan up and running and what the feasibility um, study of that would be
1: yeah and they you know they didn't really say obviously you know this guy doesn't work for the league so he didn't know you know when that would happen um, you know basically it sounds like and baseball's a little bit in the same boat they want to get these guys in a centralized location and create a bubble around them Um, you know, if it's in Vegas, they can put them up in a lot of the casinos. There's nobody in them right now. Um, in LA, I'm sure there's places they can put these guys to kind of keep them separated from people. Um, you know, the, the example that they were using, I I guess over in China right now, they're building a universal studio somewhere. And there's like, a couple of thousand people are working on it currently as we speak. And then when when this whole thing broke out over there, basically they've they've created a bubble for these people and they just live and work every day where they are and they've had no new cases. Now, I don't believe really anything coming out of China at this point. For them to say there's no new cases, I don't know. But apparently that's kind of the model that, these leagues are looking at of of isolating these guys somewhere, and then kind of I don't know I, I figuring it out as they go. I mean, it's like we talked about last week. Are you going to have you know Are you going to have three baseball games in the same park on the same day? Like, how are you going to do that right. if there's not enough parks available? Like, how does that work? So yeah, there's a lot to be ironed out, but they're 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 at least exploring some, some creative ideas, I guess, to hopefully get things going sooner rather than later.
0: Well, and it sounds like they're trying to piggyback off of that baseball idea when it came out a couple of weeks ago to be, you know, in the Arizona area and use all these spring training places, you know, chase field and or not chase. Yeah. Is it chase field that's in Arizona? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Where, where the diamondbacks play and, and keep everybody there. And yeah, maybe you will have some overlap, but, you would think with UNLV, if you want to, I mean, that's probably your biggest one. I, I mean, I would imagine that, that that's available. I don't know what they do for the for the summer league, uh, the, the D-League or anything like that, because um, that's out there, isn't it, in, in Vegas?
1: Yeah, it is. And usually everybody stays in the casinos for that. But, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe you put all these players and teams in the dorms. I mean, I'm sure it would suck for... You know, LeBron James to live in a dorm room for three months. But, hey, you know, maybe if that's the best way to quarantine these guys, you got to do what you got to do.
0: Yeah, and, and if they want to build those courts, I would assume there's enough convention center areas um, between all the hotels and then, you know, the college and all that. I mean, you can find enough space to play all these games oh, if yeah. you really want. Yeah. It, it's just a matter of getting everything that you need to pull it off there in time. And executing a plan to get broadcast, and I mean, right. if you have all the broadcast originating from Vegas, good job.
1: Well, and and you know, like this Wasserman guy was saying, it, it's a unique opportunity too for some of the networks to to maybe try out some different stuff. You know, maybe different camera angles or, or how things are shot. So you know, I mean, that's part of the the deal too. I mean, the network's got to figure out how this is going to work because the NBA net the, and the networks essentially are working hand in hand to try to get this back as soon as possible because they both want their money um, and obviously the NBA can't bring their product back if the networks aren't ready to you know produce it so we'll see what happens man be interesting yep so last night the debut of the the Jordan documentary the last dance the 97-98 bulls documentary came out and you and i talked briefly this afternoon kind of about how we wanted to tackle this and um you know a lot of most of the stuff i'm going to have already known where you know you are probably learning a little bit more as we go so we thought maybe you know let you kind of give your impressions on what what you saw what you learned and and if you have any questions you want to ask maybe i can answer some uh, but just what what did you think? Uh, I know you watched the first episode last night, second one today. Would you Would you think?
0: Um, I felt kind of bad that Jerry Krause was immediately villainized. Um, and when I was I was looking on Twitter, it was it was very interesting because I follow a lot of Chicago media people, and a lot of them were kind of backing. Krauss in a really roundabout way while the rest of the national guys were absolutely villainizing him. So it was very odd um, to see that kind of um, that support and then that criticism um, from those two opposite directions. Um, The owner of the team, I thought really did not come off well because, he didn't really seem to want to act like an odor. He just threw up his hands and said, well, he's the GM. And it's like, well, you kind of have to be an intelligent business guy about this because here's your GM telling you that you've got all these guys that have won all these championships with the coach. And all of a sudden you want to go in a different direction when they haven't done anything to get knocked off the top of the mountain. That just seemed very very short sighted to me um, what else
1: it's really just let me interrupt you for a second there go ahead it's really the hidden up until this documentary most unexplored irrational sports story of the last 30 years I mean it literally makes zero sense that they did what they did, the Bulls. The Bulls as an organization, by forcing Phil Jackson out, by alienating Scottie Pippen to the point where he didn't want to play there anymore, and basically leaving Michael Jordan in the lurch. When these guys have won six titles in eight years, Jordan's coming off of an MVP year. It's, it's, it's just I don't need, like. I was trying to think about it last night. Like what, what could you even compare it to in modern sports? It would almost be like if after Golden State won their 70 that 73 win season they had a couple years ago, like let's just say they won the title that year. that would have been like they said, okay, well, Steve Kerr's not coming back. he's done. We're gonna trade Clay Thompson and Curry's contracts up, so whatever.
0: Well, and and the thing that didn't make sense to me is that while I was watching, there was really no explanation given other than this is what we're going to do. Like if you had any justification about money, about savings, about, you know, how you could do this, like why would you want to immediately not put up like, oh, it's driving me crazy here because one thing I don't understand is ownership investment and not telling your GM, this is what I want go do it. And, and and if an owner says, don't spend that much money, we got to cut back on salary. At least you have a justification. I didn't hear any of that. An owner wants to win championships. I can't imagine he was going to the poorhouse, winning all these NBA titles because of how much money he was having to pay some of these players and, 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 and Phil Jackson. But I didn't hear any of that. I didn't see any of that. All of a sudden the de- decision was just made like, we're going to try and, and, and reload and rebuild with this team, even though they're coming off of a championship. And I just of like, well, why? I mean, if your players leave or some of them retire or they're too expensive for you to sign and, you know, a bunch of them get jettisoned, I understand where you're faced with that situation, but they weren't faced with anything.
1: Well, as they didn't say it in the documentary, but as the story has been told, as I've heard it, Jerry Krause's big idea was they didn't want to become what the Celtics ended up being with Bird, McHale, and Parish, where the 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 Celtics hung on to those guys until the very end. Those guys all, ret- well, with the exception of Parish, he ended up moving on, but you know, McHale and Bird. They, they played their entire careers in Boston. And, you know, after those guys were gone, the Celtics were pretty irrelevant for a solid decade until they got Paul Pierce and he started to become a good player. That was kind of what Krause had sold to Reinsdorf, the owner, was we don't want to hang. It's kind of like the Belichick thing. If Belichick gets rid of you a year too early, is supposed to hang it on to you a year too long. That was kind of the thinking From Krause's standpoint, but it's such flawed thinking because you have the greatest basketball player on the planet and you have the greatest coach on the planet and you have the second, you have the best sidekick on the planet on your team and you're winning. So it basically boiled down to ego and Jerry Krause, you know, it's one of those things like he wasn't getting the credit that he thought he deserved for being the architect of the team, but it's like yeah but general managers typically don't get that especially at that time like think back to the 90s like how many general managers of sports teams did you know their name not many right no nope. now you know damn near nope, every not. general manager's name right so it was just a different climate and Krause wanted that he wanted some of that credit and you know he wasn't going to get it when you're the general manager of Michael Jordan you're just not going to get it Deserve it or not, I, so that that I rubbed to, him the wrong way. To me, if you're a
0: general manager, he tried to, um, you know, really get out in front of that before his team. Then, as what you're saying, turned into Boston. Yes, but I would at least have given it one year of not winning a championship before you say. Okay, maybe this is the path we're heading down. Or did did he, did he already think that one year was too late, and it would push back the franchise even more years because they were stuck with a lot of different guys? It just seems really, really short-sighted to me. Coming off a championship, not to at least go until you don't win one to make any changes.
1: Yeah, and it's you know it's a little unfortunate that Kraus is dead, so he he's not here to defend himself. Right. Um, but I don't think that there's a lot. I mean, if you look at at it from his point of view, at the time, Scottie Pippen had a lot of miles on him. He had 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 the foot surgery in 98. He had a really bad chronic back issue, and he was like 31, 32 years old. So I get where you're. if you're the general manager, you're like, I can't give this guy a four- or five-year contract with with his injury history. So I, I understand that to a point. And the thing with Phil Jackson was Phil Jackson wanted to be the highest paid coach in the league, which he deserved, but they didn't want to pay a coach $10 million a year or whatever Phil was asking for. It came down to Jerry Cross having to fly to Montana to basically beg him to come back to coach that last year. So it just it's it's kind of shocking how dysfunctional all of that is. And, and like it, we haven't even got to the good stuff yet. I mean that's the thing, like everybody was raving about this and I heard Wilbon on, on uh Tony Kornheiser's podcast this morning and he said he's like we haven't even seen the good stuff yet. Like when Michael there was that scene of Jordan at practice when he was kind of getting into it with Ron Harper or whatever. Like yeah. that that's like that's like G rated. I mean, if people people better be prepared. It's gonna get it's gonna well, get a lot lot worse. And Michael Jordan's going to come off looking like an asshole and people aren't going to understand. And, and Wilbon was saying that was Jordan's big fear of doing this is that people wouldn't understand where he was coming from. So,
0: well, I think they've started to set it up well in the first two episodes. And I think they've gone back at any time that they could to his competitive nature and what he was all about. So I, I mean, I think it's going to be less of a blow. I think they're they, they are trying to soften that from what I've seen in the first two episodes. I also thought it was interesting the different um, points of view where Pippen was concerned. When Jordan said, you know, he was out, he absolutely had picked the wrong time to have that surgery because he was trying to, you know, buy his time and, and work out a contract. And then Phil Jackson said, don't blame him at all. You know, it, it was it was the time was appropriate. You know, he's one guy. We got to learn to play without one guy. And, and Ryan Storp was saying that, yeah, I think he probably made a mistake signing the seven years, 18 million, because you probably got, you know, undersold a little bit. So I, I thought those varying degrees of viewpoints where Pippen was concerned was, was pretty interesting.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's, he's one of the more underrated great players in NBA history because he played oh, with yeah. Jordan. Um, he's not appreciated for the things that he did because he, you know, I mean, you're playing in that shadow. It's hard to get noticed, but he, he really is kind of a a sympathetic figure in a way. I mean, when, when they kind of give his background about where he came from, you know, his, Mm -hmm. his father being wheelchair bound, his brother having that wrestling accident being wheelchair bound. And, you know, when he signs this, this, seven-year, $18 million contract in 1991. Like, you know, the NBA hadn't exploded yet. It was the first year NBC had, the, had games. Before that, it had been on CBS. Um, so when Pippen, you know, he took the security of the long-term money because he's looking at his family living in, like, abject poverty in Arkansas with two disabled people in his family, and he's like, I'm going to get $18 million. You know, I mean, he's, and whoever his agent was at the time, I don't know who it was, but, you know, that guy didn't do him any any service either by allowing. Now, I don't believe for a second that Jerry Reinsdorf told him to not sign it. I think Jerry Reinsdorf sat there and rubbed his hands together and smiled like Montgomery Burns. Um, <laughs> Reinsdorf is notoriously cheap. Um, so I, I, I don't believe that for a second. I would really, I don't know anybody that's a bulls, White Sox fan. I know a lot mm-hmm. of Bull I know Bull's Cub fans. I don't know any Bull White Sox fan. I would be curious to know what the prevailing opinion is of Reinsdorf of of that kind of a fan. Because I look back today, the White Sox won that one World Series in 0-4. that was just yep. fucking out of nowhere. Or 0-5 it was, I'm sorry. It was just out of nowhere. It was kind of a one year wonder. Like he's on the team for like almost forty years. They've only made the playoffs five times. The White Sox have, like that's bad, you know. Yeah, and, and, you, and you, they,
0: they, they ran one of their best coaches out of town.
1: Yeah. So they haven't had a good history there. And then, I mean, other than this run with Jordan, like he's not been a very good NBA owner. So yeah, I th- the Bulls, the Bulls front office. Did not come off well in episodes one and two. That's for certain.
0: The the Pippen stuff just kind of putting the the cap on that when you talk when you talk about how underappreciated he is. They throw up his stats about you know second in scoring, second in rebounding, first um, in assists, and a bunch of other cat- categories, and then sixth on the team in salary and like one hundred twentieth in the NBA in salary. Yeah, Like that, those numbers just, they're just mind boggling.
1: Yeah. And it's funny. um, He actually ended up making more money than Jordan in his career in the NBA, which is pretty funny. I saw
0: that headline today.
1: Um, And, and Jordan made 30, he made like 36 million that last year. And he made like 33 million the year before that. But before that, he never made over 5 million bucks. So Michael Jordan was underpaid his entire career too, with the exception of two years. So it wasn't just Pippen. It's just Pippen's contract was just awful. I had forgotten. Well, that. I had forgotten that he had demanded to trade that. I mean, I remembered it once it came on the screen, but I had, I had totally forgotten that
0: Jordan did okay with his brand and, mm-hmm. you know, endorsement deals from Nike and, and Haynes and, and everything else. He's probably with McDonald's, I, I think maybe, but um, yeah, that's funny. His numbers as a basketball player, I, I, I wasn't aware of his, his actual salary.
1: So anything else that you, that you took away in those first couple episodes?
0: No, I mean, it was, it, it was funny seeing some of the names and some of the old school players. I mean, I had texted you Bill Wennington when I saw his, his awesome facial hair that now he's rocking. <laughs> and you know, I mean, seeing some of these names, that that was when I actually watched the NBA and I would watch a Bulls game on WGN because Jordan was playing. And I almost texted you when I was watching the the tail end or maybe it was, the, I think it was last night. Uh, I, there was a Jed Bushler sighting. I, I mean, I remember that
1: guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um,
0: but, you know, some of these old guys, it, it's cool seeing Kerr, you know, give some of the interviews and stuff like that. And just some of these, some of these guys that I that I remember watching, you know, this team in high school, um, it, it was it was good to see. It was cool, and 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 you know, the basketball guys are going to watch this. You know, the the people that don't know the Jordan legacy or. Um, who only watch basketball because of guys like Jordan and have kind of gotten away from it. That's the audience that you, you, you really want to rope in and, and they kind of have me. So they've, they've done a good job at marketing and, and putting that thing together because I watched every minute of both episodes.
1: Well, just a couple things things uh, I wanted to hit that I, that sure. just stuck out to me. Um, the number one thing is like Michael Jordan is just fucking cool, man. He's just cool. like everything about that guy he's like he looks cool in his uniform. he looks cool in a suit, sweatsuit. he looked cool wearing that that beret when he was in France. Like he's just cooler than shit. Like I don't know how you can you know I, what do they call that a Q rating? like how cool you are like he has to have so. he has to have the highest Q rating of any athlete ever. Like, he's just, I don't know, I don't, there's just something like the way he walks, it's just smooth. I don't know. He's just cooler than shit, man. Even when he was sitting in that chair smoking a stogie, drinking drinking some bourbon, like, he, he just looks like the coolest dude you'd ever want to hang out with in your life. <laughs> so that was one. I mean, and, you know, people younger than, than you and I, people in their 20s and 30s that are watching this, like, I don't know that you can quite explain how famous he was. And I and I think that's another thing they're going to get into as they go along. Like, like his fishbowl got to be, like, microscopic that he was living in. Like, he couldn't go nowhere. Like, you saw the way people were treating him and, and trying to get at him. And, like, there, there was the one scene where he was oh, yeah. getting mic'd up to go on something and the guy wanted him to sign a napkin and Jordan just kind of looked at his it is handler or whatever. And that guy's like, no, we're, we're not doing that. Right. Yet. He's here to be on a talk yep. show. Let's just, you know, and that's, that's in like 19. Well, that was in 97, but I mean, it just, his, his fame, everybody. I mean, when they showed those games in France, like everybody had a Michael Jordan jersey on, like every French person. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, yeah. The
0: world, the worldwide attention was something that, that I, you know, I didn't know, and I—I I mean, I'm just trying to trying to come up with a comp for today, and who would who would be like that? Because I don't think there's a bigger star, a bigger brand. I mean, do you think uh, the only guy that that's coming to mind? do You think LeBron would get that no. sort of treatment? No. if he went overseas.
1: I think the only thing that would whoever the most famous like Messi, Ronaldo, one of one of those soccer dudes, right. maybe, but not no, not LeBron. Kobe was more famous worldwide than LeBron. There's no question. Look and that's kind of where I go back to like my coolness thing. Like LeBron's a great player. I don't find anything about him cool. Like he's kind of a dork and he trying to kind of tries <laughs> to be funny but he's not. He's like he's like dad joke funny, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like yep. his nothing about his game is cool. It's all power. You know, it's all just physical and brute force. Where Jordan, you know, Jordan flew through the air. It was just cooler. Um, but yeah, today is the. Uh, well, today's four twenty, so happy four twenty to those who enjoy that day. <laughs> um, today is the uh, twenty or thirty fourth anniversary of the sixty three point playoff game against Boston that they showed at the end of episode two last night. Um, and I thought. I, I knew I had heard the story about him and Ainge going golfing before, and you know I've I've heard many things about that. Right. What I hadn't heard before, which was hilarious, I was laughing out loud as I watched it, was the thought of Bill Walton cussing out Danny Ange because Walton kept getting switched onto Jordan on the perimeter, and he couldn't guard him, and he right. just fouled out. And he had to guard him. He just fouled out. Yeah. There's that one that he he he. There's one where he follows Jordan and Jordan makes it and Walton just slams the ball down. And Then they show another one where he follows him and he's just standing there with his hands on his hips, just irate. <laughs> Could you imagine, Jesus, Danny? Will you guard your guy? <laughs> <laughs> I thought
0: I thought it was funny and I, and I was gonna text you because I was I was sitting on the couch. And, this is just a couple hours ago, um, and I was watching it and I was like. He is just flying through these old, big oh, white guys. Doesn't he look like an alien? It, mean,
1: he, do, he does not. Yeah. He looks like he was dropped out of a spaceship into that game, and everybody else is looking around going, what the fuck is that?
0: Right. Just dodging, ducking, weaving. Like These guys just turn around because he blows right by him, just going in and out, in and out. And I'm like he's just dodging them like they were bowling pins, and instead of knocking them over, he's actually getting in between them. I was just like, these guys can't even do anything <laughs> against him.
1: You no, know, it's unbelievable. I mean, you got a guy like Dennis Johnson on Boston. He's one of like the five or seven greatest defensive guards ever, and he just has no prayer, no prayer. So that that was that was pretty fun. <laughs> I, I thought the soundtrack yeah. was great. They they did yeah. some some nice old school hip hop in there. Little Rock Kim, little LL. Yep. That was nice. Um, mm-hmm. And then the last thing was a couple of the quotes were just great. Um, there, there's the the famous Larry Bird quote. That's not that's yep. God disguised as Michael Jordan. That's, that's right. I mean that's an all that's an all timer. I mean you want to talk about the ultimate respect? Larry Bird in 1986 says that as the three-time reigning MVP on what at the time was the greatest team ever assembled, the 86 Celtics. And he's saying that about a 22-year-old. That's something. Um, the, the Bob Knight quote, or before Michael Jordan has ever played an NBA game, after coaching him in the Olympics, Bob Knight declares him as the greatest basketball player <laughs> to ever play. That's pretty prophetic. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the, the Roy Williams quote, which was awesome cause it didn't make any sense, but yet it makes complete sense of where he's the only guy that could ever turn it on and off and he never fricking turned it off. Right. That, I thought that was just, it doesn't, I don't know if it makes sense, but it does. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Michael Jordan, yep. I think he played all 82 games, like nine times in his career and two other times he played 80. Like the dude just went all the time, a hundred miles an hour.
0: I thought that that bit when he was coming back from the injury about load management was hilarious and mm-hmm. how they they, they they threatened the coach's job that if you put him in one second over seven minutes we're gonna can you on the spot.
1: Well and when you watch the footage of those some of those games of that team like you understand the thinking Michael Jordan was playing with a bunch of traffic cones. I mean, these guys were terrible. <laughs> he had, you know, he had, like, rookie Charles Oakley and, like, second-year John Paxson, and then everybody else was trash. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the Bulls are looking at it like, well, we got to have more guys. And Michael Jordan's like, no, you already got the guy, me. So that that was, yeah, that was pretty fun. And then the last one was the Wilbon, Wilbon's quote. I, I don't have it exact, but he basically said there's three guys in sport that when oh, you yeah. talk about them, like, that's it. And it was Jordan, Ali, and Babe Ruth. And it kind of made me think a little bit about the LeBron-Jordan argument. And, you know, I think this this documentary might change some minds. Maybe not. We'll see. But I think if nothing else, it's just I don't think you can be greater than Michael Jordan. You know, like – you can't really be a better baseball player than Babe Ruth. Like, you can hit more home runs. You can drive in more runs. You can have a higher batting average. Like, Mike Trout could have every record ever when he's done, but he's not Babe Ruth. You really? know? Like, no boxer ever will ever be Ali. And it's no. just, as, as great as LeBron is, he's just not that. And it's not even his fault. I just don't think anybody can surpass what he did. He is the Babe Ruth of basketball. He's not the pioneer. You know, that would be like Bill Russell. But when you're talking about the measuring stick, it's got to be Jordan, right?
0: I would say so. And that's, you know, to me, that is what speaks to fans like me, is that when you have a player in a sport that I'm not really that interested in, I didn't really play that much, or I wasn't that into, but I played with my friends. But if you can hook me by having a personality and a player that is almost bigger than the sport itself, then you know you've got something. And that is what what, to me Jordan was to basketball. I mean, when I get to watch, and those are the games I watch, I watch because of him. That says a lot. Mm -hmm. LeBron, Kobe, they didn't make me want to watch the game. I didn't see a Lakers game on TNT or whatever, or a Cavs or or a Heat game. You know, I, I didn't see one of those games. Look at it for a second and say, "Man, I'm really gonna miss an opportunity to watch one of the, the best players that I've ever seen." It's like because to me, I've already done that, mm-hmm. and they don't hold, and and they don't hold water.
1: Right. You know what I mean? No, I hear you, man. I hear you. Um, I, I saw this on Twitter today. I don't remember who posted it, but I thought it was an interesting question. And I, I, I couldn't really come up with an answer, so I'm not expecting you to have one off the top of your head. But it was if you could pick a different team to do a 10-part doc like this, who would it be? And some of the some of the answers I saw were like the the early 90s Cowboys um obviously belichick and brady with the patriots although i think that would be extremely boring watching that team um (laughs) but i don't know i thought it was kind of a cool question and i i i I was racking my brain like i don't know like who would i want to see you know and i'm like i don't know do you do do i want to see like the the jeter pettit Rivera yankees not really you know, like, I've already, they, that 4 Boston team that won the title, like, they already did that 30-for-30 30 30 on them, which was awesome, but I don't really need to see that again. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't really come, I mean, I, they've done a thing on the 85 Bears. I don't really need to see that again. Um, I couldn't really come up with anything off the top of my head.
0: No, and, and it, it would have to be a team that I would have a rooting vested interest in. Man, I've already seen enough of the Packers, you know, Super Bowl back in the, you know, in in the late 90s with, you know, um, Favre and Reggie White and um, Ron Wolf and Holm. You know, I that, that's done for me. I've, I've seen enough of it. Um, I don't really care about the, the most recent one with Rodgers when they beat the Steelers. Um, you know, there's nothing about the Badgers. Maybe the – Maybe the Brewers that that season where they, you know, acquired Sabathian maybe made a little bit of a run, but I mean, I was there for CC's first game so I kind of I kind of know a little bit about that, but there's there's nothing really around here locally that I would really want an expansive 10-part series made into where they really dive deep into everything.
1: Yeah, cuz I think at this point we kind of I've I know everything you could know about the 82 Brewers. Right. You know, exactly. and I love them to death, but like okay, I got it. Yep. <laughs> you know, I got it. Yep. This Bulls team was kind of the last mystery, I guess. So Yep. All right, man. Well, let's get to uh your forte here. We'll we'll go with this as long as you want to talk um nah. let's hit some NFL draft stuff. Um
0: yeah, I'm I'm reading more and more, and I guess there was there's been there's been some talk, and it's funny because Brian Gudikin's held his pre-draft press conference video conference today, and a lot of the a lot of the general managers and and the talk around the league has been that they're worried about the technological infrastructure holding up, and it's funny because nine minutes into to Gutekind's video conference, they lost the feed, so. <laughs> I thought and, and I was also reading on how the, the NFL now if if there's if some sort of a trade talk or there's um, you know some sort of a technological problem, the NFL can pause their clock and I'm like, this thing is already gonna go really long because the first round already goes long. Now they can just pause it for an indeterminate amount of time. If there's a technical, I mean, we're. I'm just worried that we're going to be up past midnight, and I want to see the Packers' first pick, and lo and behold, they're probably going to trade it, and then I'll go to bed pissed. I'll get a couple hours sleep, and then I'll have to get up. So I, I don't know how they can't pull this off with the technology that's available out there, but that's the worry. You and I kind of talked about it a little bit last week about, you know, they think that it's unfair with, not having all the players in for pre-draft visits and only some teams got them before they shut everything down. But you know, you got all the tape, you got all the combine stuff. That's, that's what you got to roll with. Sorry. Um, but I'm, I'm really curious to see what direction that my team goes with, because there's, there's a couple areas of need and people seem to be fixated on the quarterback position. and, possibly because it's it's a decent quarterback crop um, that you can possibly get somebody to groom later. And this is the time that Rodgers was drafted in Favre's career, and now they think that this is somehow lining up perfectly to have that happen. But i I personally don't see it, but I don't
1: know. We'll see. Well, I mean, if they were going to do that, what round? I mean, are you talking like a mid-round pick? Are you talking about getting trying to get somebody that you could, you're could legitimately going to try to groom in two or, or maybe not two, but like three or four years? I mean, what do you think?
0: Well, that that's what I mean. Like, if, if you're getting somebody now and Rodgers is going to play for another four years, it seems a little bit soon for, for that. Um, four or five years, so I that's why I, I don't think the timing uh, is right. And yeah, his numbers have been flipping the last couple of years as far as um you know the gaudiness of them and stuff like that. He's been very efficient, but they're just not as big and bolstered as as they usually are. So I don't I don't really think you need to be worrying about that right now. And if if you sign to a guy to a normal rookie contract, he's going to come up in his fifth year option. And maybe Rodgers is still the starter, so why would you even have him unless you're going to, you know, groom him for two years and then use him as trade bait? So I, I, I guess I don't really see that that direction that people are talking about.
1: Yeah, and I, I agree with you. Um, you know, you and I have had this conversation on many a road trip about when, if and when they need to start thinking about the future with that. And, you know, one of the problems that, you know, and it's a little bit like, what we were just talking about with Jerry Krause and the Bulls, um, you know, the general manager's job is to not only build the team for now, but build the team for the future, where the coach and the players Mm -hmm. are only worried about today. But I think if you're the Packers, you you have to take a little bit of a realistic look in the mirror. You are in what? Year 28 of the Favre Rogers era? Mm -hmm. You have gotten... Back to back, two of the whatever wherever you want to put them six, eight, ten quarterbacks of all time. Back to back, the odds of you getting that again are right. like are like powerball numbers low. Like that's almost impossible that that's going to happen that you're going to strike it three times in a row. I think you got to look at it and go, you know what? We got three years of Aaron Rodgers being an all-pro-level player, we got to go all-in here and win a Super Bowl. We'll worry about five years down the road in three years. But we can't worry about that now. We got to go out and get this guy. Either we got to go out and help build the lineup, we got to get him a couple more weapons, whatever. Because if I'm Rodgers and they drafted a quarterback this year, I'd be irate. I would be I-fucking-rate.
0: I mean... I wouldn't mind if you get, like, a one in the sixth or seventh round because chances are you're not going to get somebody that will help you. Sure. but, but
1: you, Yeah, but time, I, not, you know. right. I'm talking about somebody that the franchise oh. is looking like, hey, this guy yeah, no. could be your replacement no. down the road, kind of like, you know, what they did to Favre with him. Um, yeah, I would be irate if I were Rodgers. I, I, I think these windows are so small. That when you have an opportunity, when there's a crack to get in there, you gotta take it. And this is kind of the last little run for Rodgers. I mean, I don't see him being an effective guy at forty four like Brady. Mm-hmm. I just he doesn't have the you know, Brady's six five. Brady's huge. Like Rogers isn't that big of a dude. And he's taken a lot of beating the last couple of years. I, I don't see him playing into his forties. I mean we'll see, but Well and I also
0: I also don't think that those weapons that you need to give him, you you can't expect them to develop in two seasons or have big years when they're rookies. Like That's why in free agency, to me, if you need immediate impact, and yeah, you don't want to pay a boatload of money, but that's how you add players immediately. Players who are established, who are already at the top of their game. Like you, like when they drafted you know, two years ago three wide receivers, well, that's great, but it's going to take them a while to, to flourish. I mean, and now you've only got, as far as I know, one of those guys is even still on the team. So I I, I don't, I, that's why I don't understand, like, well, you got to get him a big play weapon. Well, he might have a decent rookie year, but he might not be a legitimate target for another two seasons. And then he's damn near close to the end of his contract. Mm-hmm. So, to me now these last years if you're not doing anything in free agency what you need to do in the draft is slip by and plug holes in gaps that are either going to come up for this year or the year after that and that's why I'm thinking because of the the current salary cap position that the Packers are in I'm thinking they're probably going to look at maybe a replacement for David Bakhtiari at left tackle they're going to maybe look for a replacement at uh, center for Corey Lindsley, or they're maybe going to look at a replacement at D tackle for Kenny Clark. All those guys are going to be due a boatload of money um, next year, including running back Aaron Jones. Mm-hmm. Who just had a breakout season. Jamal Williams is the guy who is up. And, and one of the, one of the Packers guys I follow says, okay, well, Williams isn't your, your horse. You sign Jones, you pay him the money that you think he deserves. You let Williams go. And then you draft his replacement because he's an easier guy to replace than Aaron Jones is. And I totally agree with that. So it wouldn't surprise me if you get a running back and that gives um, another year for Dexter Williams or or the guys they draft to kind of fill in for Jamal Williams when they might inevitably let him go. So I don't expect outside of maybe uh, a tall wide receiver, somebody who runs good routes and and gets open, Um, I don't expect them adding adding many quote-unquote playmakers because honestly it's kind of late in the game to give Rodgers those guys those guys by way of the draft.
1: Yeah, I thought the Packers missed an opportunity to uh and maybe they maybe they tried and we just haven't heard about it but I thought they missed a couple opportunities in the wide receiver trade market. Um I mean, you telling me they couldn't have matched what Arizona gave up to get Hopkins? Right. Um, I mean, they they would have never got Diggs because the Vikings wouldn't have ever traded him there. But like, what they give? I think they gave up a second round pick for Diggs. Buffalo did. Yeah, I think they gave up a second or a third rounder for Cooks. Is that right? When, that sounds when, when right. Cooks got traded. So like, yeah, that's not a that I I am sure that the the people that are uh, would be against that move would say, well, actually, Hopkins is. You know, he makes too much money, and he's almost 30, and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, yeah, but he's already really good. And that fits, like, what you just said. Like, if you're going to go get a weapon to help Rodgers, like, I would much rather have 28-, 29-year-old Hopkins than 21-year-old Jerry Judy because chances are in the next two years Hopkins is going to be the better player. In four years, no. But in the short term, yes. but you don't have four years.
0: You know what I mean? Yep. Like you got you, you got to win now. The, the chances of of Rogers winning the Super Bowl with the Packers right now is already is already slim. Four years down the road, it's going to be even slimmer.
1: Right. No, absolutely.
0: So, and it and it's funny you mentioned Brandon Cook. They were in on that. The Packers were in in on that. They were one of the teams that Cooks was talking to. He didn't want to come play in the Colts.
1: Hmm. Well. Yeah, well you can't change where no. you can't change where your team is unless you're the chargers
0: nope nope and that's and that's that's one of the things that happens so I'm, I've just been looking over you know a lot of ESPN and NFL.com stuff and you know whatever needs are it's not really surprised that their biggest need is is wide receiver they talk about interior line as uh, as, as one of the other needs that they have um, as well so um, well, you they, said, they do you... say that running back is Go
1: ahead. Well, I was just gonna say you said something about them possibly trading the pick. I mean, do you think that they oh, no. that's a possibility? That and if they did, more likely up or down?
0: Well, I can see that's the thing. I mean, the Packers got a decent amount of picks. I want to say they have ten uh, over, over the course of the draft. I don't know if that's right or not, um, but that's that's the number that's sticking out: ten or eleven. Um, I. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Just, just knowing what I'm used to seeing with the previous regime and Ted Thompson, and acquiring more picks to trade down. I mean, that would not surprise me at all. Um, if they have extra ones in a particular round and they want to go get a player, maybe. Um, but I mean, the the wide receiver crop is just so loaded and so deep that you got to think. You can get a guy where you're at without without giving something up and not jeopardizing later positions and rounds. So I I just don't know if there's a guy on the board unless you're trading into the top ten to go get somebody. I just don't see why you would, you would just jockey a couple of spots.
1: Are you um, are you pretty confident with this this Gutekind's regime as, as far as the drafting goes? I mean. Have you been pleased the last couple of years? Do you have you seen any strengths or weaknesses of where where he's done well or where he's done poorly? Um, he hasn't really
0: nailed a whole lot. There's been a couple of starters, um, but so far it it hasn't been terrible, but it's been rather unimpressive. Like Michael sent me a, the, the, the the description of a player today that. Um, I think it was Peter King said that the Packers were going to take in his mock mock draft, and, and, and the phrase was something about um, unspectacular. That's not the description that I would want for a player that my team is taking, but that's kind of the way I would describe Gutekind's draft so far it's not spectacular. It's been, you know, he's got some guys, but I think he's had more misses than hits, I guess, if if that's the way I'm looking at it
1: Un- unspectacular that doesn't get your juices going.
0: no not really. <laughs> not really um what what are you looking at for the Bears now that you've got a couple of quarterbacks there um and a, and still a decent defense are you have, have you taken a look at anything for for your team on on wh- what area you hope gets
1: improved I'm just looking for somebody to put me out of my misery of being a fan of this fucking team <laughs>
0: I love it. It's the off season, and we're already, we're still
1: doing that. Hey, man! Look, if if people that have listened to this podcast from the get go, they know I'm when it comes to the teams that I root for. I'm nothing if not honest. That's um, right. Well, yeah, I did. I I did some pretty good homework this afternoon when I was uh, had a little time after work before the podcast and. The Bears have no first-round pick again this year. Um, that that's going right. to the Raiders as part of the Khalil Mack trade, and they also don't have a third rounder this year, which is part of the Mack trade. I think that's it now. I think the I think the trade is done. That, after that's the draft. all done. Mm-hmm. So they've got two second-round picks. They got the forty-third and the fiftieth, and then they've got their fourth and fifth. They got two sixths and two sevenths. Um, they really. You know, I looked at their depth chart, and they they've got some pretty glaring holes. Um, mm-hmm. They 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 need another. They need a safety. Um, you know, obviously losing Amos to the Packers last year replaced him with Haha. Ha, he's gone. Um, they need it. They need a safety next to Jackson. Um, they lost Prince of Mookamara. They need a corner, and they need a they need a corner. To come in and play right away. I mean, I think they signed that Artie Burns guy, but, I mean, he's a he's a nickel guy, nah. basically. That's, no. that's not a guy you want starting. Um, They've got a big hole at right guard. Kyle Long's retirement um, leaves a gaping hole in the line, a line that had a lot of problems last year uh, on the interior. They ended up James Daniels, a, a guy they drafted a couple years ago to be their center. Um, they ended up having to put him at guard and put white hair back at center. Um, it was a mess. So they got to clean that up. Um, I think they'll probably take a tight end at some point. Um, they just cut Trey Burton. Um, obviously Late. they, they yep. signed the, the, uh, immortal Jimmy Graham. Um, but they, <laughs> and, uh, I, I don't think Shaheen is, is going to be back. Um, and if he is, he sucks anyway. So they, they need some help there. And then, uh, Really, though, for me, they need a playmaker on offense badly. Um, You know, I was thinking about the quarterback today with, you know, Trubisky versus Foles. And one of the things that made Foles so successful in Philly was he had a ton of weapons. You know, I mean, they had like three really good running backs. They had a pretty nice stable. They didn't have any star receivers, but they had some good receivers. Alshon Jeffries, you know, he's not a star, but he's good. Aguilar's pretty good. Um, other than uh, Allen Robinson, there's nobody on this Bears offense that's proven anything. You know, Montgomery was a little bit of a disappointment for me. Anthony Miller took a big step back last year, and we've chronicled their tight end woes. You know, Tariq Cohen's got a little ability, but, you know, he's kind of a one-trick pony where, yeah, you might sneak a nice play in every here, every once in a while with him, but you're you're not gonna be very successful if, if he's getting a steady diet of touches so those are kind of the the spots I was looking at that I think that the uh, the bears need to target in the in the draft
0: all right do you have have you picked out a guy or two that you've read anything that that in a dream scenario you would love or that um, when you finally get to the second round if there's a guy on board who you wouldn't mind seeing in a bear's uniform
1: well. The fact that they don't have a first round pick makes it a little tough, because now you are getting down, now you are getting down into some guys that are pretty even, and, and frankly, I don't know a ton about them. Um, if I if if I could pick anybody in the draft, if I had an opportunity to it, within somewhat realisticness, not they're you know, they wouldn't be in the one or two spot. But if they could move up, I would love to see them get uh, Jeff Okuda at Ohio State at corner. Um I watched that guy several times last year and he's a stud. Ohio State has produced a lot of really good defensive backs in recent years. So that would kind of be that would be the pie in the sky pick, but back in where they're at 43 to 50 there, two guys kind of stuck out to me, both wide receivers. The first one is Donovan Peoples Jones out of Michigan. Um, okay. A little bit of an underachiever at Michigan, but in what I was reading, a lot of that is being chalked up to the fact that Michigan's quarterback situation has been so piss poor the last couple years. That
0: oh, it's been atrocious.
1: You know, just no stability, no consistency, and it really made it difficult on these these receivers. I mean, People's Jones was like a was a, a four or five star recruit coming out of high school. I mean, he was a big time recruit. So all the measurables are there with him. It's just a matter of. You know, somebody getting him the ball in the right spot. And, <clears throat> excuse me, the other guy, and maybe not second round, maybe maybe a little later, maybe if they can somehow trade into the third round, I would love to see Quintes Cephas on the Bears. I mm-hmm. think that guy would be a really good fit on that team. He's a good route runner. He's big. He's physical. Um, he ran a really shitty 40. So his stock is yep. a little lower right now than maybe it should be because for whatever reason those guys give a shit about that um but those were two guys and and frankly I would love I would love to see them go after Jonathan Taylor I mean like I said, Montgomery has proven yeah. nothing so you know having another uh young running back on a rookie deal that's I think is gonna be a good pro i, I would uh I would be very okay with that all right
0: those are solid, solid picks. I like those a lot.
1: How about you?
0: Um, as far as the Packers are concerned, I mean, they're, they're not going to get them. They're going to owe Penny Clark a ton of money just by, by what the market says. I wouldn't mind them drafting Derek Brown, the D-tackle out, out of Auburn. Um, he would be able to get a chance to learn from Clark, and if they let him go, um, that'd be okay because could probably step right in, and if they do sign Clark again, the D, the Packers' D, interior D line is not very deep, and it's not very good. They're they're getting most of their pressure from the outside, from from Smiths. So somebody that could you know provide a little bit of a pass rush from the interior could maybe free up more of the exterior. And I think that's probably why Clay Matthews didn't succeed a whole lot in his latter seasons with the Packers because he was pretty much their primary pass rushing threat, and they 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 learned how to you know. how to to scheme for that so i I, you know Derek brown's not going to be there um and that would definitely be not a dream pick i thought about inside linebacker because blake martinez is gone he kind of blasted green bay after he left and saying in mike petten's scheme, there wasn't really a lot of gap assignments it's basically was just told to freelance and go make a tackle um You know, he wasn't assigned a gap or anything like that, and that's why he made all of his tackles five, six, seven yards downfield, and he he wasn't that great in coverage. But I was thinking the last time the Packers took a linebacker really high was A.J. Hawk, Mm -hmm. and he didn't really turn out to be uh, an insane playmaker that a lot of people had hoped. He was a good, solid player, very durable, you know, did everything that they asked him of, but he wasn't a game-changing guy on defense. Could do a lot worse, though.
1: you know, oh, you, you, I mean what I know I know he was I know he was like the fifth pick, but you could do a hell of a lot worse than what, eight years of A. J. Hawk. That that's nothing wrong with that.
0: Totally agree, but I just think with the number five pick For sure. you yep. need somebody that, that is a game changer. Um, and I, I, I guess I just don't think inside linebacker where the Packers are picking, you're gonna get that. You're just gonna you're you're just gonna get a guy who's gonna step in and start and you're gonna get maybe the equivalent of a Blake Martinez, which is great, but it's not really going to go, um, and make your defense, uh, you know, improve a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been looking at wide receivers and I think one, it's, it's one of two guys that might be there, um, that I'm hoping for would be, um, Justin Jefferson for or, uh, check that, uh, LaVisca Shenault junior of Colorado. He's six-two, two-twenty. 220 He's had some, had some issues with injuries but the dude has put up some pretty good numbers at a college that has not been that great and then Michael Pittman of USC 6'4 225 I want to go back to a receiver that goes up and gets the ball and it's such a physical threat now I know they want speed but Adams is a speed guy they're missing a guy in the slot I don't want anybody undersized if they can get Valdez Scandling back to being a burner like he was his rookie year because he took a step down last year, then I think you get a guy with size, you have a decent amount of weapons, But I don't want another undersized receiver. I want somebody that can go up over a defensive back and make a catch across the middle. That's what I'm hoping for. So if those two guys are there, I'd be fine with either one of them.
1: Yeah, in the couple of mocks that I was looking at today, Pittman was a guy I saw them link to. Uh, his his measurables, they, they compared him favorably to Jordy Nelson, kind of with the size and the speed. Um, the other guy I saw, I can't remember his name, but a, a wide receiver kid from Baylor.
0: Oh, yeah, that's, um, that's, that's, that's Michael's guy, Denzel Mims. Yeah,
1: yeah, he was the other guy. Those two guys were the two receivers at, at what is it, 30, I think they're picking that I had seen the Packers mm-hmm. kind of link to. So, yeah. And that, Mims is another
0: guy. Mims is another guy, six three two zero five. He and and he's also got speed. And I, Michael said for all the games that he and the highlight reels that he's watched, he's always open. Well, Baylor put up a ton of points, but you also got to remember you're playing in a conference where nobody played defense. Right. They were, I mean they they were scoring a combined hundred to one hundred and twenty or thirty points per game. Mm-hmm. So it's like, of course nobody played in defense. So of course the guy's open. Right. So I'm not. I'm not really going to put all my chips in that in that pot.
1: Well, what what about any anybody else around the league or any team around the league kind of stick out? I mean, I heard today it sounds like San Francisco's open for business. They got a couple first round picks. I think the Lions and the Dolphins in, the, in at 3 and 5, there's been some talk of maybe either of those teams moving around a little bit. Um, I think the Lions are are they're, they're the key team at the beginning there to kind of watch. I don't think a quarterback makes sense with them with still having Stafford. you know, They would, I think, have to take a tremendous cap hit to move him, and I'm not sure anybody would even want him at that number anyway. So I could see them trading out. But, I mean, all this talk of Tua and nobody knows if he's healthy. Um, Do you have any kind of uh, impressions or or thoughts on, on anything else going on?
0: Well, of course the Lions aren't, I mean. That they're not going to draft a quarterback. They have Chase Daniel waiting in the wing. Well, right. Stafford gets hurt. For
1: sure. For <laughs> so, sure. Um, I, I
0: mean, I haven't really heard anything. It's a lot of, or read anything. I, it's just a lot of uncertainty about what's going to happen with so many teams being open to trading, you know, a lot of their top ten picks. I mean, the one that I'm really curious about is Washington at number two because you've got Chase Young, and I was listening to a podcast this morning or maybe it was at the tail end of, of last week, with, with, with the Redskins, they, they want to give maybe Dwayne Haskins another shot. But it's like, when you look at all these Super Bowl teams, if that's where you want to go, and and do you remember the, the quarterbacks from those teams, or do you remember the defensive ends for those teams? So it's like, when you have a chance to get a game changer, do you care whether you just drafted a guy who it doesn't, seem like maybe is going to work out even though you wasted another high pick on Do you go take that high pick and invest in another quarterback or do you take the best player available no matter what the position is just because he's the best player and i thought that was a a very interesting conversation that that two guys had about you know chase young's a you know a phenomenal player and maybe the best guy there but what is how how does he help you win games the quarterback is going to be the one that helps you the most. And you need the best guy at quarterback, and Chase Young is not that guy.
1: Yeah, and it's certainly possible. I mean, Arizona did it last year when they took Murray a year after taking Rosen. So, I mean, if you don't think the guy you've got is the guy, then it makes sense to take that, um, take the risk and, and draft another quarterback. I'd be surprised just with Rivera being a defensive guy if, if, he, right. if he could just allow himself to pass up. You know, the, the the potential next, you know, whatever, Khalil Mack or Lawrence Taylor, what, what, whoever you want to put there, um, that'd be pretty hard for a guy like Revere to pass up. But you never know. You never know.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, this is, this is you know, one of the things that I look forward to the most. Um, Michael and I are going to hook up on a, on a video Zoom, you know, with our kids in the background creating havoc and stuff. And we're going to. We're going to get pizza and, and, and watch like we used to do when we used to be at, at, at each other's places way back in the day before we actually, you know, had to become functioning members of society. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how the, how the technology holds up um, and then see exactly what holes are filled for the Packers by the time the, the whole thing is done. And I'm, and I'm going to like see which teams do what and maybe see somebody drop, you know, farther than than, than they should or maybe who's what team reaches too far to go grab a guy that they might have been able to get. So, um, you know, I'll watch and and things will be fun. Um, And I think a lot of people really, I mean, you're you're a perfect example. You're not a draft guy, but we're so starved for sports Mm -hmm. that you're actually going to watch more than you ever have.
1: Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. It should be interesting. Um, all right well no 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 overrated underrated properly rated because I I just I got wrapped up in this this draft stuff and, and I didn't get to it but just a, a quick replacement for that I'm gonna give you a chance here before we go Boy. to laugh at my team. you'll love this this is great so yeah. I was searching around for some stuff and I found an article in the Tribune today and it basically ran down all of the picks. In the Ryan Pace era, and he he was hired in 2015. Um,
0: Your boy. Just
1: just a side note. I was looking at some stats. Did you know Nick Foles has only started seven more games in Trubisky in his career?
0: No, I did not isn't know that. that.
1: Isn't this surprising? It was four, 48 to 41. I I just found that surprising. But so anyway, so the Bears, as we talked about earlier, don't have a first round pick again, which actually is a good thing because. Ryan Pace has been so bad with his first round picks in his tenure it's kind of embarrassing so <laughs> they ran through all the picks and I, I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you there's three categories here I'm gonna give you a couple guys in each and uh, it gets funnier as it goes so the guys that he's hit on you have Roquan Smith first round pick yeah, number eight 2017 good pick. Eddie Goldman, second round, seventh pick of the second round in 2015. Uh, Cody Whitehair, 14th pick, second round in 16. Quiet Nick who who is now gone, fourth round pick yep. in 2016. Uh, Eddie Jackson, who became an All Pro already, yep. fourth rounder in the se- in 17. Adrian Amos, fifth round in 2015. Jordan Howard, fifth round in 2016. So good players, nobody great. Good players, right? hmm A couple guys we're not sure on yet. Uh, James Daniels, who I talked about earlier, second rounder out of Iowa in 2018 uh, as uh, center guard. Eh, we'll see. Anthony Miller, he looked like he was going to be good the first year, um, two years ago in 2018 when he was a second-round pick. Big-time step back last year. Um, David Montgomery, as I touched on, uh, pretty average last year as a rookie. He was a third-rounder. Um, And Tariq Cohen was a fourth-rounder in 2017. Yeah, eh, okay, I guess, in situations. But, you know, those guys are kind of so-so or else we're going to wait and see. Here's where where it gets good. So Ryan Pace has had four first-round picks. Roquan Smith was one of them we already talked about. Here's his other three. In 2015 with the seventh pick, he takes Kevin White. Yeah. Kevin White, who played 24 games, I believe, with the Bears and is now currently out of football just four years later.
0: Couldn't stay on the field.
1: Nope, couldn't stay on the field. The next year with the ninth pick, Leonard Floyd, D.N. out of Georgia. I think he had 18 sacks in four years for the Bears. He has already been uh, waved by by two. I believe he's on, I think, like the Cardinals or something like that now. That surprised um, me. 2017, the most famous one, trading up to the number two spot to get Trubisky, yep. which mm-hmm. every single day, it just gets worse. <laughs> and then he had a second-round pick in 2017 where he takes Division two Adam Shaheen. Yep. And, like, 25 picks later, the Niners picked George Kittle. So... Mm. Ryan Pace, in four years, has only gotten four picks have gotten to a second contract. Roquan, Eddie Goldman, Whitehair, Eddie Jackson. That's it.
0: That's not good.
1: Four guys. So if he misses this on this draft and they went out and they spent some money on free agency on some older questionable guys in Graham and Robert Quinn at D-End, this has got to be it, right? I mean, if you've you've screwed up the quarterback pick, you've screwed up all these other picks. You you have found no star in four years, other than I guess maybe Eddie Jackson, but he's at a position that being a star isn't that big of a deal. Um, I mean the rope's got to be pretty short, don't you think?
0: I mean, I would have to think so. Um, and 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 you don't need. Pro Bowl players, all-pro players at every single pick. But you have to hit on the big ones and the important ones. I mean, it's great when you can find a really good, reliable starter in the fifth, sixth, or seventh round. But when you have those first-round picks, they need to be on your team for two, maybe three contracts if they're not traded away for other needs or anything like that. And that's that's a really serious indictment of your decision-making skills especially when you mortgage future picks to go get the people that you want that don't turn out to be what you thought that they were yeah
1: well when you've had four first round picks and two of them are already gone and one of them's already out of football yeah I mean come on we got we got to reevaluate things here, uh old lady McCaskey let's <laughs> I, I know you're the matriarch of the league but god damn it Let's go, figure this wow. out. Figure this out. I I would love to see the Bears get creative on on Thursday and Friday, but I don't know. I you know the Khalil Mack trade, which is obviously what uh, Pace is hanging his hat on. You know, I love Khalil Mack, but who gave up a lot, and you haven't got a well, lot of return. So,
0: and that's the thing. Do you in the position that you're in right now because of that. Do you have the creative license to 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 be to operate that way? Yeah, I don't know. That's a you good just question. Trying to be as, as safe and as steadfast as possible. Take sure things. Yeah.
1: Well, whoever they get in the second round has got to be somebody that comes in and plays right away. They can't right? be they they can't be a project. So, um, I don't know, man. We'll see what happens. It should be fun. Um, I'm just happy to have some kind of sports back.
0: Yeah, I don't know what we're going to do after this because it is a, as I heard this morning, it is a vast ocean of nothingness following the draft until leagues figure out when they're going to come back and how they're going to come back.
1: Yeah, well, just got to keep your fingers crossed that it's sooner rather than later.
0: Yep, sorry, I didn't want to end on a down note there.
1: Hey, uh, before we go, have you ever seen uh, that show of Peyton Manning's on ESPN called Peyton Place?
0: Yes, I yeah I've seen a couple of. Them. It's
1: not bad. Yeah, I watched a couple yesterday. I thought they were pretty cool. Yep, pretty cool stuff. The, I, I would agree. There was one with him and his dad and Eli and Cooper, and they were sitting around watching old videos of their of the kids playing football. It was hilarious. Peyton's
0: places. <laughs> yeah,
1: That's good. Pretty good. All right, man. Well, I'll let you go. We will. All right, uh, We'll be back next week, hopefully, and um, hopefully we've got some good draft stuff to talk about. So. uh I'm Dan. I'm Josh. We'll catch you down the road. Enjoy the the draft on Thursday and Friday this weekend, and enjoy Episodes 3 and 4 of The Last Dance. We will catch you down the road. Go sports. Go sports.